All right. We good? Helps to turn the mic on. A little tip for, the, for everybody here. Hey, how are you guys doing? <clears throat> so good to see you. Man, what a great morning. Uh, sad that we had to cancel last week. Uh, talk to Jason Upton if you were excited to see him. He was really bummed. He has a word for us, and he's going to try to come back sometime soon and, and deliver that word because uh, he really wants to do that. Anyways, we hope you had uh, fun sledding and doing all the other things you do in the snow last week. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for today. And um, you know what? Let's give honor where honors due. We have some special people sitting right over here. Walt and Joyce Robertson are back with us this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, my friend, are not forgotten. Yes. Good, good friends in the house here today. Hey, um, what I want to do to kick off uh, the, the message, the sermon this morning, uh, I want to kind of catch us up on something that's happened, kind of more global news in the last few weeks. You guys know a couple, couple weeks ago um, in the Middle East, there was a, um, a pretty, pretty big event that happened that involved Islamic State, ISIS, um, and they took hostage about 21 Egyptian Christians and uh, took them hostage and then took their lives. They uh, took each of, each of their lives. What I want to do is this morning before, uh, as to kind of set up the message, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot about this, but I felt like we needed to take a moment and pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Um, we have a responsibility to not be disconnected from the global church. I'm going to show you a quick video and then we're going to pray, and then uh, Will's going to come up and bring a testimony, and then the junior high can come. So can you guys take a look at this video? You know, it is a very dangerous time to be a Christian. Torture, beheadings, destruction. Here was the of highest level of persecution of Christians. A church congregation barricading themselves in from hundreds of riot police. Christians are enduring attacks for their faith like Along never with the before. savage kidnappings of Christian schoolgirls in Nigeria by Boko Haram and the burning of Christian images churches. of violence dominate headlines. Christians are being warned they have a choice: convert to Islam, pay a very steep price. Or face death. Chilling new video showing the beheading of 21 Egyptian Christians. Beheadings of 21 Christians. 21 Christian men beheaded by Islamic State. The title of the video is a message signed with blood to the nation of the cross. The the sharpest jump in violent uh, attacks against Christians. We need to make the persecuted church an issue of prayer.
Can we stand together again for a moment? And we're going to take a moment and, and together just lift our voices and pray for our brothers and sisters. We don't, this is so outside of our paradigm for us that live in the States. We don't deal with the same type of problems. But we do have a responsibility to partner with and, and to stir ourselves up to prayer and intercession for what God is doing around the world. And what we're praying for is not retaliation. That is not the message of the cross. The message of the cross is to absorb the sin and the evil and to turn it into life, into beauty, into creation. That the, that the word of God and the goodness of God would be known all around the world. And could we just lift up, I just feel like we need to join our voices in your own words and your own prayer and what we're praying for we're praying for a bold witness of the gospel in the midst of persecution. We're praying for supernatural miracles to confirm the gospel. We're praying that the seed of martyrs will produce a harvest of sons and daughters coming to the Lord. We're praying for conviction to fall upon those who persecute the church, just as it did, uh, just as it did Saul, who would be changed into Paul after an encounter with Jesus. And we're praying for angelic protection and intervention in the Middle East. And we're praying that the global Christian community will work for peace and justice in the Middle East. So would you just join, let's just join our voices together. Father God, we lift up our voices, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are sovereign, that you are enthroned above all. And God, we pray for our brothers and sisters, Lord Jesus, in the Middle East, all around the world, who are in places that are hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord God, that you would that you would confirm and convince them, Lord Jesus, of what they've seen and what they've heard, Lord God, that you would fill them with boldness and courage to not shrink back from death, Lord God, but to live in freedom, to live in this newfound freedom in you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would encourage their spirits wherever they are. You would bring comfort, Lord God, to the afflicted. You would bring peace to hostile situations, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the stories and the testimonies we hear of your gospel spreading like wildfire all around the world, Lord God, to ignite goodness and your glory to fall in the lives and the homes of these believers around the world that are hiding in rooms and hiding in basements and hiding in places, Lord Jesus, just to seek you. God, as the church, as the body of Christ, even here at Vine Life today, we join with believers all around the world and we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus. Let your glory be known in all of the earth. We thank you that the whole earth is filled with your glory, Lord Jesus. Jesus, and we are just one, one, uh, one pocket of people here to proclaim that with all of creation. God, we love you. Make yourself glorious in all of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Yeah, go ahead and take a seat. And I, I, I do, um, uh, by the way, junior high, you, you're dismissed now. You can go to the back to Will in the back. Um, it, it's something that is, is really important that we talk about. You know, we look at images like that, you hear these stories of these men and women that are, that, that are forced into a decision with a knife at their neck. And have you ever thought about what would it be like to give your life for the gospel? Are you and I, are we completely convinced through and through that if, if, if this were to happen, if someone was holding a knife to my neck, would I shrink back? And the question I think that I want to get at today is what is it about God in that moment that you would be thinking about? If you were on your knees, obviously there's a lot that's coming to mind. You know, if, if you're on your knees and that type of thing, you're thinking about your family, you're thinking about your friends, you're thinking about your life and what can be lost. But ultimately what keeps you on your knees is you have a picture of God 
that is keeping you standing still. And so if our testimony is what we've experienced of the power and the nature of God, what is the testimony I would lay my life down for? What is it that I've seen of God that I cannot unsee that would keep me in that moment? This scripture that the video ended with, Revelation twelve eleven, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And we know this word testimony is a word that means evidence. It's, it's like a judicial type of word. It means evidence as, a, as presented in court. And, and the question that I've, I've been wrestling with, and the question I feel like the Lord is drawing us back to, is what is so evident about God in our life? What have we seen of God that we cannot unsee? What have we heard from Him that we cannot unhear? That if we're in this moment, and if we're faced with a decision, that we know in our heart of hearts, in our very being, I cannot shrink from death in this moment. And I believe that in, in this room here today, we're all in all kinds of situations. I believe that we all have a testimony. We're all in the middle of a testimony or we're all headed towards a testimony. The work of God in your life, you either have the things that you can speak of that you have seen and that you were heard. You're either in the middle of God working out something great and you're not quite sure what it is or you're in a place where you are headed towards a breakthrough of God where he's going to declare his glory and make it evident in your life. You either have a testimony, you're in the middle of a testimony, or you're working towards a testimony. And I believe what God wants to do is to solidify and, and powerfully embolden the testimony and the sound of your life for the sake of the world. Is anybody with me here today? <clears throat> and it's an interesting word, testimony, if you've been around the church for very long. I, I have to admit, I haven't, I haven't always been a fan of what we call sharing testimonies, if you know what I mean. If you've ever been, a, if you've been a, a part of the church for a while, uh, you may notice that sometimes when we get up and we talk about the work of God in our life and we, know we share a, a, a mic and, and you know, we're, we're able to talk about stories of things that have happened, uh, maybe you've heard in the past, that, you know, just this temptation to can maybe embellish the details or exaggerate a little bit, you know, like it was like way worse than it ever was. And now it's way better than it, what, it, what, it, what it really is type of thing. And, and I, I know for myself, I've always been a little hesitant in that because it's felt a little salesy to me, right? Because sometimes it's, easily, it's easy and convenient to leave out the, bar, the parts and the bits about struggle and about, about yeah, there's still places I'm still confused, or there's still places that I'm still waiting to work out. And so I, I've been a little bit uh, uh, tentative when it comes to sharing the story of my life, because it, it feels to me a lot like what I feel like when a door-to-door salesman comes, uh, it feels like sometimes. Does anybody ever, the door-to-door guys still come to your house? Why do we still have door-to-door guys in 2015? I don't know. I, and I apologize if you're a door-to-door person. I really do. I, I'm really not trying to, to knock that. I'm just saying, please don't come to my door anymore. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't understand why they're still selling vacuums door to door. Because maybe it, because it works, because people buy vacuums. One of the most interesting parts is a few years ago, one of the most interesting door to door guys that ever came, came through, uh, he came through, I just got home from work. And uh, one of my loving neighbors sent him over to the house. I won't mention who that was. Graham and Piper, thank you. Um, <laughs> sent him to our house, and his, this is his opening line. Hey, do, does anybody you know, do any fr- friends or family have cancer? 
This is his opening line. Open the door. And his, his opening line was, hey, I'm going around just wanting to know, do you know anybody, any friends or family that has cancer? And I'm thinking, dude, I just got home from work. Really? That's your opening line? Do any of your friends have cancer? And I started, it turns out he's selling cancer insurance. I ended up being a little short with him, Root. I had to call him back later to apologize. I call him back because I was a little rude to him. He answers. He's like, he's like, hey, so you're reconsidering? I'm like, no, I'm not reconsidering, but I just want to apologize for being rude to you because he came to my door. Anyways, I was speaking to some friends after this whole thing, like, man, I don't know if I could ever do that. I don't know if I could ever just show up to somebody's door. I don't know if I could ever be a salesman in any, any, uh, of any particular product. And they said, yeah, I hear you, but if it, if it was an Apple product, you would, you'd, have no, you have, you'd have no lack of ability to do that, right? Because, like, don't you see how you talk about certain things in your life and you're really excited? You don't have to get yourself to be excited about it because, because you have these things. And, you know, remember a few years ago when it was really cool to talk about Apple products all the time? Or maybe that was never cool to talk about all the time? <laughs> the rest of you are like, no, bro, that was never cool. But she said that. She's like, no, but if you were talking about this, you'd have no problem because that's what you already do. Because you have some things that you've seen and heard. And I, and I realized this in that moment, that when we've experienced something, when we've seen something that we can't unsee, and we've heard things that we can't unheard, it changes the witness and the testimony in our life. And it is no longer trying to sell a product. It's just proclaiming something that we know is true on the inside. And we have something that it's way more true than an Apple product, by the way. We have the testimony of a resurrected Christ. And this is what I love, the early church in Acts chapter 4. The early church is exploding. They're just like, they're facing persecution. And what we know of persecution around the world, even as we pray for persecution around the world, what we do know is this historically, any time the church is persecuted, that is a sure, sure bet that the church is about to explode. And that was happening in the early church. And, and Peter and John and the, 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 the disciples, the early apostles, the early church, that they're, they're just proclaiming what they've seen and heard. Acts chapter 4, verse, verse 1, it says this. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. I love that. They were, the Sadducees came upon them because they were greatly annoyed. They were just so annoyed, you know? Have you ever heard somebody talk about something so much that it's like, man, this is just annoying now, right? This is like, I'm just ready for you to be done. But the, the, the disciples, they just kept talking and talking and talking. There is a Christ and he is resurrected from the dead. We can't stop talking. And so the Sadducees and all the people in the temple are trying to figure out how do we shut this down? How, how, do, how, do we, how do we quiet this down? And they don't know how. Because 5, it says 5,000 people just came into their number in that particular instance. And they're standing in there in the temple. They're trying to accuse the disciples. But they cannot argue that a blind person can now see. Somebody who's lame is now better and whole and healed. And they're thinking about this. We cannot deny that this person is now healed. But maybe what we can do is get them to quiet down. Because we can't take this talk about the resurrected Christ. It's messing with our systems and our structure. And we read down in Acts 4.19. But Peter and John answered them. After they were asked to quiet down, Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. 
your testimony, it's not about being Jesus' PR agent on earth. It's not about giving Jesus a good name. It's about boldly proclaiming all that you've seen and all that you've heard. It's not about selling a product. It's about proclaiming your story, which is the glory of God in your life. The testimony that God has given you is not one that we are given to shrink back from and to, and to, and to compress and to put into a little package and hide off to the side for a point that's convenient. It's the testimony that God has put into our life is one that we proclaim in all of our living, in all of our talking, in all of our being, in all of our labor, in all of, all of our conversations. It's something that is natural as our breathing. It's not something that we use to sell anybody on this, but it's something that we have to proclaim to a world that needs to know there is good news still on earth. And that is through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Yeah? And the reason we need to talk about this, the idea of testimony... And knowing your testimony is because we do live in a day when we're caught between our fear of being misunderstood and a culture that is hoping we will quiet down and be polite. We are, I have a sense that a lot of us, and I know for myself, oftentimes when it comes to the story of God in our life, we're caught between the feeling and the tension of, I don't want to be misunderstood, and then a culture and a spirit that hovers over a culture that, is just, that just wants to come up and say, hey, shh, 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 let everybody else talk. You wait your turn. Be quiet. It's not time anymore. And I believe what God is doing as he wants to expose this, the enemy would want nothing more than to muffle and silence the sound inside you because in it there is power to overcome. The testimony and the sound and the song inside of you has power in it to overcome. And if there's one thing the enemy wants to do is to silence the church of Jesus Christ for proclaiming a resurrected Lord and Savior. I'll just keep preaching. It's interesting. You, you may have not noticed today, but there's, we have new speakers in the room. Some of you really did notice. Um, we, have, we have a new sound system in the room. Um, we were able, it's just the Lord gifted us with an, a very unique opportunity to step into a beautiful new um, piece of equipment. And uh, some of our guys just have done an awesome job installing it. And Hey, let's give a hand to our sound guys, Summit, Nick. Part of the reason that we wanted, to, we wanted to move on this opportunity is because we do believe in the power of worship. We believe in the power of beauty and excellence. And we believe the power in proclaiming the word of God. And we are committed to proclaiming the word of God and what he's saying and what he's speaking. And what I love is that, the, you know, you probably noticed that the, the, these speakers allow us, the coverage is a lot better in the room. It's consistent from side to side. So, at least if you didn't like the sound this morning, at least you'll consistently not like it from side to side in the room, okay? So that's what we can offer you this morning. But it is amazing what new speakers can do. It allows you to hear things that you haven't heard before. If you've ever upgraded speakers in your car and in your home, there's something amazing about that. And it's actually interesting um, because there's this whole conversation in the music industry. We're in a very interesting place in time when it comes to recorded music. Um, because uh, recorded music has come so far that, that now it, it, it's pretty wild that they're spending, musicians and producers will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes in the millions of dollars, to 
uh, by mics and software and preamps and all kinds of stuff. And you're already lost by all the stuff I'm saying. And they spend all this money crafting and making music that is beautiful, all to be compressed and to be boiled down into this little iPod and these little tiny little white earbuds that just kind of pop into your ear so, you know, a teenager can listen to them walking down the street, right? And it's a pretty amazing thing um, that with modern recording, that everything an artist intended in the beginning actually gets shrunk down and compressed. And what happens is there's this conversation. It's called hi-fi versus lo-fi, okay? That's different than Wi-Fi, all right? Hi-fi, lo-fi. Hi-fi stands for high fidelity. Lo-fi stands for low fidelity, okay? So this is the thing. This is everything music does to you. It runs through all these expensive things, hundreds of thousands of dollars a gear, all the way into a convenient MP3, Okay? And what most people say, what most original artists and producers say, is that by the time it gets to the MP3, it's barely recognizable from its original source and its original form. Now, what does that mean for us today? High fidelity is this whole movement where musicians and artists and people that care about music are going back to saying, like, I can't listen to music on tiny little earbuds. I've got to get good speakers. I've got to get good amplifiers and good receivers. I want to hear the original intent. In fact, Bach and Beethoven, I'm guessing, would be appalled if they knew their music was being listened to on headphones. And so there's this movement of people saying, listen, we're going to move back to high fidelity. What does high fidelity mean? It means, it means faithful to the original source. A high fidelity sound, high fidelity music is faithful to the original source. And a low fidelity music, something that's compressed so much, what happens in a tiny little mp3. I know I'm giving you a little education here, but you need to know this, all right? This is important. Tiny little mp3. What happens along the way is all these frequencies get cut out because somebody along the way decides they don't need that. That's not what they need to get the basic gist of it. But what I believe that God is doing in us and what I believe that God is doing on the earth is, is this. Um, God wants to restore the power and the clarity of our testimony, okay? Just as an MP3 is a compressed version of original music, I believe fear and intimidation compress the reality of our testimony to, to something that is barely recognizable. I believe that fear and intimidation has a way of compressing the story and the power of the work of God in our life into a version that hardly we even know sometimes. And we're so used, we're, so many of us are, have actually lost a connection to what it was that we would call the joy of our salvation. That's what David said in Psalm 51. He said, God, let me return to the joy of my salvation. Blot out my transgressions. God, would you remind me and restore to me the joy of what it was that you did in the beginning and the joy of what you continue to do in my life. It's not about speaking loud enough to get people's attention. It's about leading and living a life that causes people to want to know what's in your heart. And when it's time to speak, you know what to say. When it's your turn to speak, do you know what to say? When it's your turn to talk about the work of God in your life, do you have words to express what it is he's done? What is the difference that he has made? What is it that he has changed? What are the things that you've seen that you cannot unsee? What are the things that you've heard that you cannot unhear? What are, one of the, what, are the, what are the things that you felt, the things that would, were taken away that you'll never have back again? What are the things that you've been given that you'll never, that'll never be taken away from you? 
What are those things? Do you have language for what it is that God has done in your life? Because when it's your time to talk, you have to have something to say. And God is restoring your ability to say it powerfully and boldly and with high fidelity so that the world knows the original source of that story and that glory and can come to know the goodness and the love of our, of our Jesus. This is what Jesus did. And this is why Jesus asked his disciples this question. He asked them a similar question. They were on the road, very far north of Jerusalem, this area called Caesarea Philippi, Matthew 16. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? If Jesus is hanging out, if you're hanging out with Jesus, with all your friends, Jesus turns to you. Who do you say that I am? How would you respond to Jesus in that moment? I mean, just think about it. Like, what, what, you're, you're, you're God. You're what? What is it that he's done that you have to declare? What is it that you've seen and the, the things that you've heard that you cannot stop speaking of? And Peter replied to him, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, when Peter says Christ, that we know that the word Christ, it means anointed king. And, and what Jesus is commenting on, Jesus came in such an unusual fashion that anybody who is looking for an anointed king would not look at Jesus and say, He is the anointed king. And so when Peter says, you are the Christ, I know this because I've seen it. I've seen it with my eyes. I've spent this time with you. There's something inside of Peter that came alive, and which is why Jesus would respond, you did not just make that up. There's something that has been revealed to you by the Father in heaven. And then Jesus would then turn to him and say, now that you have made a confession of who I am, I'm going to make a confession of who you are. You are a rock. And upon this confession... Upon this testimony, upon these things that you've seen, these things that you've heard, these things that you've experienced, the testimony of your life, upon that, it's going to be a rock, and I'm going to build my church upon the testimony in your life. And I, I, I just have such a strong sense today that God wants to restore to you and I the power of knowing our testimony. And some of you, it's been muted for so long that if you had a chance to talk about it, you wouldn't even know what to say. And some of us came in the room this morning so desperate and needing to hear the voice of God that you came in the, you came in the room hoping to walk out with a testimony. And what I want to say to you this morning is this. God has every intention to restore to you the joy of your salvation. He has every intention to open the eyes of your understanding, to see him in a new light. He has every intention to amplify what is inside of you, for you not to shrink back from death, but you to grow in your boldness as you proclaim the word of God. In all your leading, in all your living, and as your life proclaims the word of God, a sound is coming out, and it will be clear, and it will be recognizable, and it will be the kind of sound that others will look in and say, here is one that has spent time with Jesus. I love what John says in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. He's 90 now. 
as he's writing this. I hope I'm writing books when I'm 90. Can you imagine writing about Jesus when you're in captivity, you're in a prison, you're at the end of your age? Here's what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Christ, with his Son Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And at a beautiful age of 90, we hear John get an insight into where he's at. He just can't stop. He can't stop saying. He can't stop proclaiming. There's things that I've seen. There's things that I've heard. And I have to proclaim it to you so our joy can be complete together. I want my joy to be your joy. I want my story to be your story. And do you guys know that's what a testimony is? When it says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, your testimony is not just what's been given to you to see you through. Your testimony is given to you as a gift to give away to see others through. Your testimony is a gift to the world. When you have seen something, when you have heard something, when you cannot deny the power of God in your life, that sound and that song and that story is not something that we can let be squashed to cater to a culture that wants us to just be relevant and wants us to hush up so we can be politically correct. And I'm not saying that we have to be jerks or be polite. A lot of us, we're tired of the squeaky wheels of Christianity saying things and speaking for for everybody things that aren't true. But in a spirit of love, in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of goodness, we are are called, I believe what God is doing, he's renewing us as mouthpieces of the gospel to not quiet down when it's our time to talk. And I want you to hear that this morning. And some of you need to think about that a little bit more before it hits you. But he's emboldening us as the church of Jesus Christ to not shrink from death, to not let fear and intimidation compress us any longer. That we are ones that when faced with the decision, we know what we've seen and we know what we've heard. I have seen a resurrected Christ who took upon himself the sin, all of my sin, all of my shame, all of my regret, my evil, my transgressions. He's absorbed it into himself. And then what, he, what did he do with it? He took it upon himself. And where he could have changed it and just let out a wrath of fury against the world, against you and I. He took all that was wrong, all the damage and all the wrongdoing. He took it upon himself and he bear hugged that puppy. And he took it into the ground. He wrestled that thing for three days. And he comes out on the other side not with more retaliation, not with more evil. But he turns, he has a way of absorbing all that's wrong and turning it into new life, into creativity, into beauty as a gift to the world. Only life comes from Jesus. And I can tell you in my life, I haven't had incredible dramatic stories for you. I never walked away from the Lord in a way that some people would say they have. And it's interesting because when I share my story, it's a story of a church kid who kind of remained a church kid. 
And I'm okay with that. In fact, that's a good story. Now it's like, man, I got I got to make up something about doing drugs or stealing puppies or something, you know. It's like, no. No, no, no. I my story is one with the Lord saw me, and he followed me, and he pursued me, and I, he allowed me to respond to him every step of the way. And yet, there's been times where, man, there's been, there's been darkness in my heart that he's liberated me from. There's been rejection that he's freed me from. There's been intimidation that he's brought me above. And I can tell you each one of those stories, but I do, I, I do, I will proclaim this, I, that nothing would have happened without the resurrected power of Jesus Christ made manifest in my life. I have seen and I have heard, and I will not be silent on that. He can do it for me. He can do it for you. Are you guys with me here this morning? Here's what I want to do. I'm going to have the, the, the team come up. And I, I felt like we just need to proclaim this one more time, that we're no longer slaves to fear, but we're, ch- we're children of God. I am a child of God. And here's what I want to do in the room this morning. If you came in here today, and you came in and you were just aware, like, God, I'm not sure what I would say about you. In fact, I, I, I desperately need a touch from you. There's some of you who came in this room with illness or with family that's facing illness right now. You're like, God, I need a touch from you. I need a breakthrough. I need a testimony. Some of you are in this room and you're feeling stuck. You're in a place of life and you've got as far as you can get and you're hitting walls and you're hitting wall after wall. It could be in your marriage. It could be in your job. It could be in other relationships. But it's just wall after wall after wall and you're saying, God, I am in the middle of this and I need a testimony today. Some of you maybe come in and you're harboring inside of you feelings of anger or bitterness towards unmet expectations. And maybe the anger and bitterness is towards God because things didn't end up the way that we thought they were going to end up. It could be towards somebody else that we feel like has stolen something from us or took something wrongfully from us and left us in a position uh, where life would have been much better had it not been for that. You're, you're, You're harboring those types of things. And some of you are just in a place where you don't even know how you'd put words to it, but you are just desperate for an encounter with Jesus. I I want to invite you here today because I believe this is what the Lord is doing. If that is you in this room, I, I want, I want to ask you to just stand to your feet today and we want to pray for you wherever you are. And it may take all the courage you have to stand up. We have people standing up around. Thank you for standing up. Yeah, we'll just give you a second here. I believe, I, I, I know in my heart, I have faith to believe that before you leave those doors today, you're going to walk out with the testimony, some of you. You're going to walk out knowing the power of God in your life. And what that might mean is it might mean a peace that transcends understanding. It might be feeling the love and the warmth and the embrace of our Abba Father in a time where you haven't felt that in a long time. Maybe for some of you, you're going to get unstuck in your hearing. You're going to hear the voice of God. For some of you, as we pray, you're going to feel healing in your body. And your wholeness is going to come over your entire body. Is anybody with me and believing for these things here today? So if there's somebody around you that's standing up here in this place today, I want you to find them and I want you to lay your hands on them. 
And together as a church, we're going to pray, okay? We're going to pray for each person. We're going to pray for the testimony of Jesus to be made manifest in this place. And I want you, in your own words, just to begin to pray and to call out to God, to meet with them, for heaven to meet them in this moment, wherever they are. Feel free to raise your voice in this place. for let's sing this out I'm no longer a slave and I'm no longer a slave to fear but I am a child of God announce it over your life come on I'm no longer a 